That ball you want to take? That there's a mistake. Callahan. Callahan's a poser. Yeah, and what do you know that every scout and coach on earth does not? I know we got sacked 12 times last year. No, it was 11. It was 11 times. Yeah, well, four of them were mine in one game. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I saw your highlight reel. I also remember that he beat you. Watch it again. Don't watch me. Watch him. Watch me sack him four times in one game, then watch what happens after. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to week number four of the BF War, or week four of college football, where we break down every week the players that played well in college football the week before, positions of interest for the Buffalo Bills, maybe talk a little bit about where Brandon Bean, Joe Shane, and the scouting department have been, and we preview the week that will be in college football. My name is Steve Mathis. You can find me on Twitter at Judge Mathis, joined by randy hardman you can find him on twitter at what is your handle again i, I don't I, off the top of my head i don't know it's uh, uh it's yeah it's just at randy hardman now at, I, I i went back randy to the regular yeah. went back to the original the man of many personalities went back to the original so college football week three obviously the big game was florida and georgia not florida and georgia florida and alabama and i'll tell you what i said this after the game i know that florida lost but florida georgia Alabama, Georgia, Florida should be one, two, three in the college football rankings. Cause to me, those are clearly the three best teams in college football. Georgia put a uh, spanking on your uh, Gamecocks this weekend. And obviously Alabama has shown through, <laughs> uh, through three weeks of the college season that they are going to be the team to beat. So the sec is King Alabama, Georgia, and Florida seem like the best three teams in college football to me. Am I crazy for thinking like, even a, I, I feel like a one, even before they lost a team like Florida was being disrespected, especially with the fact that Emory Jones didn't even play his best game. They still had a puncher's chance versus Bama and Richardson was out with a hamstring injury. I think if Richardson would have played, they might've had a chance to win that game. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, rewind it to last week and I said, I didn't think it was going to be a very close game and turns out I was wrong. It didn't um, start that way either. They had to make a comeback. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but no, I mean Florida definitely showed that they're they're a team that should be in contention um, throughout the season, and they they'll probably end up being in the mix um, when it comes time for the playoff. You know, I thought this week was interesting. There was a lot of games. Um, I, I you know it's it's close to home for me. The uh, Clemson, the world of difference that it makes losing Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah. I didn't think. I mean. Dr they should not be playing Georgia Tech that close. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's I, crazy how, how much worse that team is with just one player difference. I mean, I, they did lose Travis Etienne, Amari Rogers. There was a, a nice dearth of, or a, a nice breadth of talent there that left, but you but don't see, those, you don't see those issues at Bama, right? Like, no, you, like no. and, and it's, it's crazy and they're still stacked. Yeah. You mentioned with, with prospects and stuff. I think the weather had a little bit to do with that. Like right before halftime, they went into a rather lengthy uh, delay. I think that might've had something to do with uh, Clemson's inability to pull away, but yeah, that was a super weird game. Uh, any other games stand out to you from, from the weekend that was in college football? Well, I mean, you know, we'll, I guess we'll get to the, we'll start in on the games last week that we highlighted mm -hmm. um, you know, Cincinnati and Indiana. What a fun game that was. Yeah, it turned out to be. And, and it was funny, too, because I had tweeted. I was watching Coastal Buffalo, and I had the split screen. And I had Indiana-Cincinnati in uh, on both of my screens. 
And I was like, man, you know, you being coastal showed up. Uh, Indiana showed up. Cincinnati didn't. But then as the UB game progressed, UB put up a fight, but Coastal pulled away and won the game. And it was Cincinnati that made a push and ended up defeating Indiana. I'll tell you what, our guy, Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Gardner, right? He hmm. was the talk of college football in that noon hour, that closing speed. He shut down uh, Ty Freifogel, who's going to be a draft pick in his own right. Michael Penix is, is a decent college quarterback who can get the ball to receivers. Uh, and Ahmad Gardner shut down Freifogel. I mean, what a game for Sauce Gardner. Yeah, he um he he just continues to solidify what type of player he is and where his stock is going to be week by week. I think if you watch that game, I mean, because I was flipping around, you know, I, I didn't see every play, but he uh he he's just a, a stud player. That guy mm-hmm. is something else. He's going to be at the top of this draft class in, in terms of corners. Um, you know, long shot right now for him to get anywhere close to us at 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, whatever it is. But uh, what a player. I mean, I'm, I'm really um, excited for him for the rest of the year. Senior Bowl, the draft process. I think he'll be a fun guy to keep track of um, yeah. at the end of the year. Someone else that really stuck out to me this week in college football was Drake London, wide receiver for USC. So Keaton Slovis got Keaton Slovis uh, this weekend. So uh, it was JT Daniels who went out with an injury a couple of years ago. Keaton Slovis stepped in, threw like four touchdowns in that game and never looked back. He was a starting quarterback at USC. This week, Keaton Slovis gets hurt right in the beginning of the game. Jackson Dart, uh, one of the higher recruited pocket passers in college football, comes in and throws four touchdowns in his own right. Two of them were to Jake Drake Drake London. Drake London, six foot five, two hundred ten pounds, former basketball player. He's even played collegiately for USC. Uh, He had thirteen catches for one hundred seventy yards, two touchdowns, and. One of the things that I like about Drake London, I know he's a wide receiver and the Bills might not have the biggest need for a wide receiver, but there was a couple of instances watching some of the some of the various film people, whether it's Clay Troya and Kendall Mursky or whether it's the cover one guys, they were breaking down sort of the coverages that Miami was throwing at the Buffalo Bills this week. And there was one coverage in particular where Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley were both bracketed, right? Like they had three guys covering two. And I just thought to myself the whole time, like, what if there was a single receiver on the other side capable of winning 50-50 balls? Drake London is that guy. So, I mean, if teams are going to come out and they're going to bracket Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs, and you can go and you can have a threat on the far side like a Drake London who's going to have a one-on-one with a corner in the red zone with no safety high, uh, I mean, that is, that is that that's a freaking weapon to have. So um, although it might be a pipe dream for a team like the Buffalo Bills, a guy like Drake London in that game, it just really got me thinking of maybe if the board falls a certain way, a guy like Drake London could pick peak the Buffalo Bills interest. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting where the league has progressed in terms of wide receivers. You know, for mm. a long time, everybody was looking for these big height, weight, speed guys. And now it seems like a lot of the premier players are on the not small, but the um, smaller side, six, two and under. You know, the Stefan Diggs is the Tyree kills, you know, guys that they're not overly big, um, but they do. They're, they're just playmakers. They make things happen with the ball. Conversely, you look at somebody who, you know, slipped because of perceived. And I was one of the people that was not very high on this player. But, you know, you can find if you can find a DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Wow. You could argue you that know. Gabriel Davis slid in the draft because of his height and weight and his lack of perceived speed. I mean, Gabriel Davis was a guy that probably could have gone sooner than the fourth round. 
Yeah, he's not that he's not the same type of athlete yeah. though. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, but yeah, but Davis, yeah, he was he went a little bit lower than than where he probably could have gone in, in a, a year that wasn't quite as rich for a draft pick. But uh, you know, somebody like London, there's there's a place for guys like that because not every team has one. And if you have one that's good, mm-hmm. that's not just a big lumbering oaf like a Kelvin Benjamin, then they can be <laughs> a serious weapon. Yeah. You know, that Drake London is the type of guy that mm-hmm. we wanted Isaiah Hodgins to be. Yeah, you know somebody and somebody that's a little bit bigger that I, can that can win those 50 fifties. And just look what Darren. I mean, a different player. I mean, this is another fifty pounds. But look what Darren Waller is doing for the Oakland Raiders and his ability to, to make those contested catches and stuff too. So, um, well, Brian Edwards coming out for them yeah, is coming on this yeah. year too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one my of your, guy, one of your Gamecocks yeah. there. Another player that caught my eye this weekend was uh, Jerion Ely, a running back from Old Miss. This is an interesting guy here. He's a scat back. And obviously mm-hmm. the Buffalo Bills had two running backs this week that played a really good game. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. It's looking like hopefully as if those things progress, those will be the top two backs going forward for the Bills for at least the next you know two, three years uh, if everything goes right. But that still leaves room for other sort of weapons that you can throw in there. And, and I see you shaking your head there. You don't know if those guys are the guys going forward, but having invested the third round picks in, let's just say, for instance, that is the plan, right? And they do go going forward. You could still try to find like a niche third guy, maybe a little bit different or similar to, if the, depending on how you're looking at it, to Matt Burita. Jerion Ely from Ole Miss, five foot nine, 185 pounds scat back, plays under Lane Kiffin there at Ole Miss. So he's got that, you know, NFL, a, a guy who's coached in the National Football League and coached National Football Leaguers. Uh, Baseball player, plays baseball at Ole Miss too, multi-sport athlete. He had 15 carries for 103 yards versus Tulane. He's on the smaller side, 5'9", 185, also plays in the slot. He had 12 broken tackles against Tulane. This guy is an absolute tackle breaker. He leads college. He, he's one of the leaders in college football in broken tackle rates. Uh, a guy like Jerion Ely is a guy, I think, if he chooses football over baseball, because he might choose baseball over football. So that's one of the questions about Jerion Ely. If he chooses football over baseball, this is a guy who could be rising up draft boards as a scat back. Uh, and I, I, he would really pique my interest in like the fourth, fifth round uh, for the Buffalo Bills to just add a little bit of differentiation to that running back room. Well, last year, you know, this past draft, we talked a lot about Javion Hawkins in kind of that and same role. He's nowhere. He's on a practice squad right now. That's baffling. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I don't get it. But anyway, yeah. um, so you, I think, especially in terms of the Bills and where they are and what they're going to be doing mm-hmm. going forward. The reason why I'm not sure about Moss and Singletary being on the on the roster long term is because I don't think those guys are second contract players. Mm-hmm. I think I think honestly you want to be able to save money at that position yep. and that's not something that you want to extend either either or both of them. Yeah. So eventually you're going to be drafting their replacements and mm-hmm. probably next year is a good place to start with that whether it's a Brees Hall, whether it's a Eli from Ole Miss, whether it's um, what's the the guy's name from uh, Iowa Goodson that I'm, yeah. you know, that we're going to talk about couple, later. There's a couple of running backs, yeah, that have really got my interest. Yeah, and and especially because those guys are tend to be on the more the the speedier scat back side. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you were looking to get another Devin Singletary or another Zach Moss type, I mean, you could talk about Kevin Harris from South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, more of a bruiser type back. But I think that they want to change a pace. So it'll be kind of like a low key need to look at this year. Yeah. And, you know, that uh, that guy is certainly one of them. I know that going back to that Cincinnati game, um, even though we're not in the market, I, I still can't help but look at quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And um, Desmond Ryder is um, an interesting case for me. Yeah, um, I got to I got to take a look at him 
a little bit, and I think that there's some things there. I guess he's working with Jordan Palmer already. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if he's like this year's Allen, not that he has the same skill set exactly because mm-hmm. the, the arm talent just isn't on the same plane yeah. at all. But um, I just wonder where he's going to end up falling in, at the end yeah. of this thing. I mean, there, there's a couple of small school quarterbacks this year, whether it's Ritter or it's uh, Carson Strong from Nevada. Uh, and, uh, Malik Willis from Liberty. I mean, there are some, uh, small school quarterbacks who are getting some national attention early on, uh, in the process this year. So yeah, we're going to talk about later. Oklahoma is one of my games of the week. We're going to talk about just how fun it is just to sit back and judge the hell out of Spencer Rattler. (laughs) Like like that. Yeah. That's going to be a fun thing to do on. Yeah. That's the game of the week on ABC this week. The night game it's Oklahoma and uh oklahoma versus it's in my notes here uh oklahoma versus west virginia so like not the greatest matchup in the world west virginia just did come off that upside of virginia tech uh but um just to say i got west virginia in that one by the way crack open a beer and and watch spencer rattler shit himself like that'll be fun yeah Yeah, i mean Um, i'm I'm always rooting against rosen rattler so I'm, i'm i'm fine with that Last player I got here um, to highlight from week three, and I can't go a podcast without talking about this guy, Trey McBride, tight end, Colorado State. S- mentioned him on this podcast before, six foot four, 260 pounds. You got to give Kendall Mursky and uh, Casey Reed credit. They were the first ones to really latch onto this guy when scouting Darren Hall last year, former basketball player. And and, and this is the opinion I wanted on you. He's had, a, he's had three straight 100-yard games to start the season. I mean, he's like legitimately 99% of their passing offense there at at Colorado State. He's really garnering attention. Some people are talking about him as early as a second round pick for Trey McBride. He's an inline player at six foot four, 260. You don't see Colorado State use him in the slot. He is very much an inline player, a guy who on 11 personnel, his hand is in the ground until the snap, and his average depth of target pro, per, per, per pro football focus is seven yards. Would the Buffalo Bills have an interest in that type of player? Yes. Yeah, I think they would, because in my opinion, the best the best set for the Bills to, to run out of with Josh Allen is 11. Mm-hmm. I think they can expose a lot of tendencies in a defense. They can figure out what's going on, and it gives him four distinct weapons that you can use in a multitude of ways yeah. um, that are different. And having a good tight end like a Dawson Knox or, or you know a, a rookie coming in that is used to playing on the end and not just being a, basically a glorified mm-hmm. wide receiver – is advantageous for for what I think they are are good at and what that what they should be doing going forward. Yeah, and we got, um, and, and that makes sense too. It seems like he would be the perfect complement to Dawson Knox, right? Because Dawson mm-hmm. Knox is the kind of guy who can do it all, and then Trey McBride can come in there and do that bruising stuff, and they can play off of each other, and both be obviously on rookie contracts. And if Dawson Knox's rookie contract comes up, and the guy hasn't dropped the ball this year. He's looked solid. Whether he's going to have the statistical numbers to go out and get paid, that's another thing to be seen. But, um, you know, he's a guy who could play off of Dawson Knox and then eventually succeed Dawson Knox uh, to a degree because obviously they're, they're different types of players. Dawson Knox can split out. Trey McBride can't as time progresses because you mentioned you can't pay everybody. Uh, and some of these guys are going to max themselves out of Buffalo and we're just going to ro- roll into those compensatory picks and we're going to let them walk. Any other games or players stick out to you from from week three of college football well i mean this one shouldn't come as a surprise because i got to watch him just maul my uh offensive line all day long jordan jordan davis, jordan davis. Oh, uh, so good. every week i find myself to trying to find a georgia game 
whether it's whether I have any sort of interest in it or not, because I just want to see this guy continue to wreck games. He is a legitimate force on the inside. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is important when it comes to a, a big space eating um, interior lineman like this, a, a game wrecker, is their consistency and their explosiveness and how how they actually change games. And you don't see guys mm-hmm. like this come along very often. You know, Vince Wilfork, Aaron Donald, you know, they there's not a lot of guys that can do the things that Jordan Davis can do. Mm-hmm. And if he proves to be one of those guys that can do it on a on a down in, down out, game in, game out basis, this is a guy that I don't think if he's if he's there for us, we can't pass up somebody like this. Because mm-hmm. it's like the final piece of the defense to go from yeah. being really good to elite long term. Mm-hmm. And it's a guy that if you draft him in the first round, you can get like six years out of him. And that's basically the prime of his career. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, watching that, Georgia, first of all, it I feel like Jordan Davis is not going to be available to us where we're picking unless we don't do as well as we think we're going to do this year. That stings. Same with Sauce Gardner. So I think Sauce Gardner, and again, this is it's so far, it's so far away. The draft yeah. is so far away. But it, it appears at this point, based on everything I'm reading, based on everything I'm seeing, that Jordan Davis and Sauce Gardner probably are not going to be available to the Buffalo Bills if the Buffalo Bills pick where we project them to pick, which would be 28 or higher. I mean, they're still coming in on most uh, most power rankings list in the top five in the National Football League. So most pundits nationally still believe the Buffalo Bills are legit. And I know I know we do as well. Um, so ho- hopefully. And, you know, according to our prognostication, Buffalo Bills record ain't going to change. So guys like Sauce Gardner, guys like Jordan Davis, um, man, it's going to suck watching them go on draft day. Nolan Smith for Georgia had himself a day and he's had himself a start to the season as well. He was that number one recruit that year when uh, like Kayvon Thibodeau came out and he got off to a slow start. But man, Nolan Smith was fucking people up in that game, too, uh, for South Carolina and that Georgia defense. Darion Kendrick. Interesting. It's going to be really interesting. He's one of those guys who could fall to the Bills in 30s or could fall into the second round or possibly even the third round. Former Clemson guy, left the team under some conspicuous circumstances, so he's got that off-the-field stuff. Uh, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl said that Darion Kendrick's got the best feet of any corner in the draft. You know, he he's obviously a highly sought-after recruit, and he's having himself a pretty good year at Georgia as well at the cornerback position. And that leads me into positions that we want to talk about in terms of the Buffalo Bills. Levi Wallace had that taunting penalty, but then had that pick, left the game with cramping, which is now being called a knee injury. Dane Jackson came in, played solid. But I think most Bills fans would agree that uh, depth is needed at corner and that it's starting to get about that time where the Buffalo Bills might want to consider utilizing draft capital, high draft capital on a cornerback. And if they were going to do it any year, this is the year. Pro football, and I even got, I, I, I'm still working through my personal big board and creating my spreadsheets and doing all that stuff. I'm still in the process of doing that. I work through all the various different networks and I, I, I add the names and I go and I put my own personal touch to it. I, I, I was breaking down the pro football focus big board today and looking at some of the names in the pro football f- focus big board in their top 100 for pro football focus heading into this college football season. There was 13 cornerbacks, 13 Derek Stingley jr. Uh, uh, Kiari Elam, Trent McDuffie, Sauce Gardner, Martin Emerson, Andrew Booth, Mikhail Wright, Josh Joby, Darion Kendrick, uh, Travius Hodges, 
uh, Roger McCreary, Taiwan Mullen, and Avery Young. Obviously, guys like Elam and Stingley are going to go earlier in the draft. Booth will probably end up going earlier in the draft, too. That's going to drop some quality corners. Sauce Gardner will go earlier, too. Could drop a quality corner to the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills could end up at pick 28 to 32 somewhere, getting the fourth or fifth cornerback off the board, but it'd still be a quality corner. Yeah, uh, you actually mentioned him. I was looking at some some positional rankings earlier, and um, one of the guys, because of his, uh, well, A, where he's playing, and uh, and also B, kind of the size athletic profile, um, Martin Emerson, Mississippi mm-hmm. State, six foot two, 195 pounds, projects to be an outside corner, um, you know, physical player. I mean, I, I think that somebody like that, and obviously I got to watch him a little bit more, um, yeah. which is one of the games that, you know, we can highlight for this week. Uh, I have kind of the rundown of the games to watch day by day, position mm-hmm. by or time by time. But yeah, yeah, Martin Emerson, cornerback out of Mississippi State. They're playing LSU this week. It's a noon game on Saturday. Good one to flip over and take a look yeah. at. I mean, one of those guys that uh, could definitely be there, mm-hmm. you know, bottom of the first or even the second or third. I mean, who knows where he's going to end up. And, but And one of the names that stuck out to me on this list of 13 was Avery Young from Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Six, six, one, 205. And uh, Pro Football Focus had a little bl- bit of blurb on him. And they said prototypical cover two corner. And I read that. I'm like, 6'1", 205, prototypical cover two corner. That screams to me like a Buffalo Bills type of player. He's been a three-year starter there now at Rutgers, playing under Greg Schiano now, uh, getting coached up by Greg Schiano. So Avery Young from Rutgers is a name that now is on the top of my uh, list of, of players to check out and players to watch. Uh, like, heck, I'm going to wa- sit there and watch a Rutgers game, but I sure as hell will go back and watch watch some uh, highlights and watch some uh, and, and type his name into the – Twitter search bar and see what people who actually want to put themselves through a Rutgers game have to say about <laughs> Avery Young. But Avery Young earned himself a, 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 a keyword follow from me uh, after reading that blurb from him. So just absolutely stacked at corner. And like I said, I'm only through the pro football focus list. I haven't gotten to the pro football network. I haven't gotten to uh, and I haven't gotten to TDN yet. So more names could be added in that first to three round range. But right now there are. And, and again, this can all change. By February, but right now they're prognosticating about 13 guys. Some guys could go back to college, etc. Some guys could get hurt. You never know what's going to happen. 13 guys who are going to uh who are going to go in the first, you know, first, second, third round of this draft. That's incredible. Uh, some talent could drop to the Buffalo Bills just because of how deep it is. Um, another name that stuck out to me was Travius Hodges from TCU, smaller guy, 5'9, okay. 185. Probably gonna have to kick inside of the slot. But he is a physical, aggressive tackler. Reading his scouting report reminded me a lot of what people said about Teron Johnson coming out. Like physical, aggressive, plays bigger than he is, um, you know, type of player. So Travis, Travis Hodges from TCU is another guy that really stuck out to me there. And we uh, need Teron Johnson insurance. You know, we need to start looking at yeah, that. And I'm sure, uh, dude, I'm I, sure Brandon gotta, Bean is well aware of that. We got to pray for the way he's playing right now. We got to pray for a Matt Milano situation where he takes a. Uh, a nice little dealy deal to stay in bubble. I, I, that's a great question. This is a question I actually wanted to put out on Twitter today, and I forgot. I'll probably put it out tomorrow by the time this podcast is live. What is the average year salary that you'd be willing to give to Ron Johnson? Like, what what's the average per that, year? That's a great question. And I thought about, you know, um, trying to reach out to, to Greg Thompson and see if he had any sort of insight onto mm. the contract numbers for something like that. Because um, I don't know exactly. You have to what, look into like the, the deal Justin Coleman yeah. got in Seattle, maybe. Yeah, I mean, what what's the market? I mean, I think um, 
off the top of my off the top of my head, I would say probably like what, like seven and a half a year? Is that seven and a half million? Maybe six. Oh, I was thinking I was thinking like four. <laughs> yeah, I mean for, uh, for an elite for for, for, for what Jordan Poyer for what Jordan Poyer called the best nickel corner in the game. Yeah, you're right. Like it could end up being expensive. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe you have to look into Chris Harris's contract when he was uh when he was playing the nickel there in Denver. Uh, cause I know he yeah. was getting paid and he was playing the nickel there in Denver. So, uh, it'd be really interesting to see what the, sort of the, but you, you're going to have to have that fail safe in place. Cause right now it's Rashad wild goose. It's cam Lewis. It's, uh, I, that's yeah. not it in terms of, in terms of your Teron Johnson insurance, unless you go out and get a boundary corner and move a guy like Dane Jackson inside. So, um, it, it, it'll be super interesting. And based off the comments that Jordan Poyer made about Teron Johnson, like heck a veteran, like Jordan Poyer is going to want a guy like Teron Johnson to leave that locker room. Um, I, I think they're I think they're better off trying to replace the outside than they are the mm. slot. I started looking at tight end. This might be the deepest tight end class in a long time. For the I think the Buffalo Bills got to take advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, uh again, Pro Football Focus had 11 guys in their top 100. I sh- I, sh- I I take that back cuz I actually got through TDN. But there are like 11 guys who are projected rounds 1 through 4 and I might have even missed the guy from Cincinnati cuz I wasn't too high on him. But uh Jalen Widermeyer from Texas A&M. We're going to get to him later because the Texas A&M Arkansas is probably the game of the week. Jeremy Rucker from Ohio State. What I like about both these guys is you can split them out in the slot, but they can also inline block, and they're pretty darn good, darn good at it in Rucker and Weidermeyer. Um, so those are the two top tight ends that I have. I mentioned Trey McBride already. Jaleel Billingsley, which is weird because it seems like he's falling out of favor with Nick Saban. He's being pushed to number three in the depth chart, but I mean still highly sought after recruit. Six foot five, 235, still needs to add on that frame. Uh, he's more definitely of that like Aaron Hernandez style tight end. Your guy, that's, Charlie, a, that's a Robert Foster special right there. <laughs> uh, you got your guy, Charlie Kohler, Kate yep. Otten from Washington, Austin Sogner from Oklahoma, uh, Will Mallory from Miami, Cole Turner from Nevada, Isaiah Likely from uh, Coastal Carolina, and Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin. I mean, so uh, just absolutely loaded tight end class of guys who are going to go between probably rounds one and five. Sure. Uh, and the Buffalo Bills could get some real value. And if you look at their depth chart, right, it's Dawson Knox, it's Tommy Sweeney, it's Reggie Gilliam, it is uh, Quentin Morris, and it is uh, who's the other guy in the practice squad there? Um, uh, K- Kahal Waring. So it's not oh, exactly, yeah. it's not exactly like a murderer's row of depth at that position. It's a position that obviously you would hope that a guy like Kahal Waring could develop. Obviously, you hope that a guy like Quentin Morris could develop. Obviously, you hope that Tommy Sweeney becomes your tight end three for a long, long time. But at the end of the day, Dawson Knox is going to have one year left on his contract after the season and not exactly a murderous row behind him. This would be a year to add some more ammunition behind Dawson Knox. Yep. And it's loaded. It is loaded. Yeah. And interestingly enough, you know, two of the guys on that list, um, one of them that you're, you know, obviously very high on um, and another one uh, from Wisconsin are going to be playing each other uh, this weekend, yeah. mm-hmm. Saturday at noon. One of the uh, one of the Michael highlighted Mayer's games. Michael Mayer is not drafted eligible. I wish Michael Mayer was drafted. Oh, he's a true sophomore. True mm. sophomore. Him and Kim and Kyle Hamilton would both go top five, but he's well, a true, he is a true soft. Just fantasize for another year then, because they're going to yeah. be playing each other this weekend, Saturday yes. at noon. Should be a fun game to watch. I don't know how close mm. it's going to be. I don't think Wisconsin's very good, but um, I think that'll be a fun one. Uh, as far as the the slate of games this weekend, I was going to kind of segue into that yeah of course um you know friday you got liberty in syracuse so you get to see the malik willis show on friday Mm -hmm. um i'm not overly familiar with syracuse i'm sure you're a little bit more uh in tune with that program than i am 
I gave up on that man a long time ago. <laughs> Horns up. I'm all about UB now. Okay. Um, <laughs> the the noon slate Saturday, I have three games. Um, yeah, I got, I got, two there. I got two listed. So what do you got? Well, I got UJ and Vandy again. You know, if you just mm-hmm. want to watch some D line porn, you can uh, flip in and watch <laughs> Jordan Davis wreck the Vanderbilt offensive line mm-hmm. all day long. It'll be, uh, it'll be good times. Um, and then Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Kyron mm-hmm. Williams, the uh, junior um, at Notre Dame as a running back yep. prospect, you know, three he down, had like three down runner, three down yeah. runner. Big time player there. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, Mayor, you can watch for next year. The Wisconsin yeah. tight ends in that game. Wisconsin and Notre Dame both churn out offensive linemen. Yeah. You look I was, at. The name I got. The name I got started for Notre Dame is their center, Jarrett Patterson. Uh, you, obviously, you know the Buffalo Bills were all about that Notre Dame offensive line tape this season. They had Bobby Johnson at the Notre Dame Pro Day. They were scouting the hell out of Notre Dame last year. They were zeroing in on a bunch of the Notre Dame offensive linemen. They never ended up pulling the trigger, but they were there and they were certainly interested. Jarrett Patterson was the only returning starter. He is their center, but he's a six foot five center and six foot five is typically a little too tall to play center. So Jarrett Patterson's a guy who you might want to being a little higher. You want your center low, lower to the ground. You, you're, you're, you, you don't, you don't, you seem to disagree with me there. I think six foot five is a little, a little too tall for me. Uh, for a center. Correct but, me if I'm wrong is Mitch Morris, not six foot six. Oh, he's six foot six, but Hey, okay. All right. But for me personally, I don't like the taller centers. I like the shorter guys. My guy, uh, my guy at NC State there, uh, Gibson, my boy, my six foot one, 305 <laughs> pound uh, baby angel there. And we'll talk about NC State in a little bit, but Jarrett Patterson, six foot five, you could transition him to guard. And I think he'd be really nice and stout at guard. And then who knows if six foot five isn't too tall for your liking or for clearly not for Brandon Bean's uh, liking, you can move him and transition him into center over time as Mitch Morris ages out of the position. So Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame is a guy that to, to keep an eye on, he'll be playing center for Notre Dame. Uh, but I project him personally as a guard and the interior of the line class is stacked too, by the way. Holy crap. I've been looking yeah. at names and I'm pretty in, old. in part of, you know, in part of preparing for today, I kind of did a little mock draft mm-hmm. and the more that I looked at it, I started I started realizing that inside offensive line is stacked oh, in this group. Oh, it yeah. is absolutely stacked. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, we talk about maybe drafting a, a guy in the first, second, third round, whatever. You might be able to do like a third and fifth yeah. for guards and get like legitimate, you know, starting I mean, caliber players. I'm looking for at guards. Guys, I'm looking at guys who could go in the first two rounds, maybe three. You got obviously Tyler Linderbaum, who everyone loves. Kenyon Green, everyone loves. Right. Your guy, um, pronounce his name from NC State because I'm gonna. Screw uh, Mukwanu. Yeah, I mean he's probably gonna he's probably gonna get drafted as a tackle, but I like him more as a guard, especially if the Bills draft him. Uh, Darian Kennard from Kentucky, mm-hmm. Thayer Munford from Ohio State, Patterson, who I just mentioned from Notre Dame, and Sean Ryan from UCLA, who's looking really good this year as well. Brandon Bean was at the UCLA Hawaii game and got to see Sean Ryan up, uh, you know, up up close and personal. And say what you want about Chip Kelly. He's coaching the National Football League, and now he's coaching Sean Ryan there at UCLA. So uh, they got two pretty solid backs there um, in in Brown and um, – oh, the guy from Michigan. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Chardonnay, Charbonnet, whatever. whatever the guy who transferred from, from Michigan. I mean, they got some two decent backs there at UCLA. And, uh, you know, Sean Ryan is one of the guys – you know, he's playing tackle there. He's probably going to kick inside uh, in the NFL. I mean, those are t- – the six, seven names I just listed are all guys who go in the first two rounds. Uh, absolutely stacked uh, on the interior offensive line. I've I've never this early in the pre-draft process seen this many interior offensive linemen at the top of a draft board. 
Like, it's and you know, not, they're not all going to go. Yeah. It's by the time draft rolls around, these guys are going to be fringe first rounders with the exception of Linderbaum and probably and Kwan Yu, because I think he's really good. I think Kenyon Green will end up slipping. I think Darian Kennard will end up slipping. I think Thayer Munford will end up slipping. Um, so you're going to see some slippage there uh, uh, for some of these prospects into the you know, top half of the second round, middle of the second round, the Creed Humphrey territory, you know, where we typically see those interior offensive linemen going. So yeah, the Buffalo Bills could really, I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting. And this is the debate we're going to have when the football season starts. Is it going to be, wh- what do we pull the trigger on in the first round? Is it corner? Is it interior offensive lineman? Like, what do we do? I mean, knowing Brandon Bean, I'll probably take a wide receiver, but like. Well, and those type of conversations are always mm-hmm. fun. And what I, what I like especially is that there's so much, um, unrest mm-hmm. as far as the quarterbacks in this class that you might see people trying to talk themselves into taking one higher than they should be taken, oh, yeah. which in turn yeah. pushes down a more talented player. That's not a quarterback mm-hmm. towards where we're going to be picking. So many of those quarterbacks you could talk yourself into this year. I mean, we mentioned the three small schoolers and then there's mm-hmm. obviously Keaton Slovis and there's uh, you know, Spencer Rattler, uh, Coral, yeah. Coral from old miss. Mm-hmm. Will, oh, Will Matt, yeah. Matt Corral. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Matt Corral, Coral, whatever. Um, the kid from Kentucky, Will Levin, mm-hmm. is another big guy that might, you know, he could show out in the draft process. Jack Cohn. Talk Jack Cohn. Jack yourself into, name. Talk yourself into a poor man's Philip Rivers. That's what he might know. <laughs> um, but, but speaking of the interiors and the big guys in the interiors, one of the noon games I had, and it's just because there's really not a lot of great games this week, uh, Texas Tech at Texas, noon on ABC. There's a name. Right. I've been looking at that interior defensive line class and outside of Jordan Davis, it is uh, I'm not a big fan of Haskell Garrett from Ohio State University. He's going to have to sell me over the course of the season. Looking at some other names, one name that I've come across that I like, if you're into that big fat one tech, like most Bills Mafia is 345 pounds or 335 pounds junior to Vondre Sweat from Texas. So pop on that Texas Tech, uh, Texas game. Look for the big 335 pound one tech defensive tackle in the middle of that Texas defensive line, wearing number 93. And if he's getting some good interior push, that's a pretty good sign. So I'm definitely gonna be flipping over to that uh, Texas Tech game when Texas Tech is on offense and seeing if uh, Tavondre Sweat can push that pocket and how he's doing uh, in terms of uh, you know shutting down the run and, and getting at the quarterback there from the interior. Uh, for Texas, uh, but that's the only name I got on the list to watch in that game. <laughs> I had uh, I had LSU and Mississippi State as yeah. the other noon the other noon game to watch. Um, just mm-hmm. because LSU, you know, obviously you have Stingley as the corner, and then they also um, uh, they also have the uh, interior defensive tackle. Um, mm-hmm. He had a little bit of legal trouble uh, at what's his name Ed Ingle, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, so just another one. You know, SEC matchups are always fun. You got Emerson on the corner for Mississippi State. So it'd be a, it'd be a good game to watch. And then you go into the three thirty slate. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I mean, that's kind of where the meat of the, uh, the day is. I have one, two, three, four, I got five games to watch. Ooh, you got, you um, got two more, you got two more than me. You're being generous, I think, but what do you got? Okay. So obviously I have my, uh, Iowa state love fest going on. So, I, and here's, think, here's, here's another reason why I have this game highlighted. The, the head coach at Baylor is Dave Aranda. Um, and I, I had forgotten this article existed. Cover one did a great article a couple of years ago about like uh Sean McDermott's like uh, circle of trust or something like that. And there's, there's a, a nice little chunk of college coaches, Manny Diaz, Dave Aranda, uh, Dave Doran, that Sean McDermott has met over his coaching career and that he's become close personal friends with. So whether it's Manny Diaz at Miami, which obviously played a role in Gregory Rousseau, 
uh, or Dave Aranda, who pretty much was the final seal of approval on Trey White when he was LSU's defensive coordinator. Um, I I'm not familiar with a ton of the names at Baylor, but I'm certainly going to be turning on that Baylor game and looking at some of the players on Baylor and have an understanding that if Dave Aranda gives a stamp of approval to some of those players or give Sean McDermott a call about some of those players, Sean McDermott's going to listen. Uh, so yeah. that Baylor game uh, is going to be super interesting to me. And obviously, man, Charlie Kohler, I want to see him get on a heater. Uh, pick yeah, up his he, game a little bit here. I know he's going he, off an injury. Yeah, he picked up a little steam this past week. You know, he had four catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. I, every week, I'm I'm kind of getting more and more intrigued by Brees Hall. Um, I, I, I'm starting to kind of talk myself into him as like a middle-round replacement for one of the guys that we have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the, the skill set, but, you know, obviously it's not a pressing need. But they're starting to pick up steam. I have that game as being a shootout, honestly. I think it's going to be yeah. a fun back-and-forth trade and punches, you know, offensive punches at least, not defensive. Um, yeah. type of game the other games that i have highlighted um obviously nc state clemson should mm-hmm. be a should be a yep. fun acc I, slugfest and i'll tell you what um, um in kanu on that offensive line at right tackle and yep. my my guy garrett gibson at center seeing yep. how those both both those guys respond even though it's and not the da- same clemson d line there's no christian wilkins along the defensive line but just seeing how they respond to you know a, a defensive line full of you know three stars four stars five stars isn't Dave Doran uh, still at NC State? Dave Doran is still at NC State, yes. So, yeah, so uh, Sean McDermott connection and there. They, they got a solid running back in Zonovan Knight, too. He's another vision contact balance guy. Um, I know that our guy, Dave Tilton, Tilt Money, my co-host mm-hmm. in the Air Raid Hour, big fan. Joe Marino has been singing the praises of Zonovan Knight uh, over the past offseason as well. Big fan. Um, so the running game in NC State. If NC State can get a running game going, I'll tell you what. That could be an upset of the week right there. That could be an upset of the week right there. Okay, I hope willing, so. I'm not willing to say it. I'm not willing to go that far. But hell, if Georgia Tech can put up a game, if NC State can get that running game going, yeah. uh, that might be super interesting. What else you got in the 330 hour? Because I, I my game of the week is Texas A&M at Arkansas. Yeah, I, I have that one, but I'll I'll let you kind of lead into that yeah. one. The other the other two that I have, uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma. So you can watch, you know, Rattler Rosen get his yeah, ass that's not at to seven, him again. That's not at seven thirty. I thought it was three thirty. Was oh, that 7.30? I have the timer. I'm pretty sure that's ABC's game of the week at uh, 7.30. I thought it was at 3. I had it at 3.30. It might be 7.30. I mean, I, I was looking at West Coast time. I'm always trying to do the math on West Coast times. I might have just not done the math in my head, and it was 3.30. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I have uh, I have um, USC and Kentucky. So South Carolina and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll, be a, uh, it'll be a showcase game for Kennard. You can watch him maul our defensive line. Um, mm-hmm. All day long, it'll be unfortunate because I have a linebacker sleeper for South Carolina to uh, to start watching. His name is Jordan, I believe it's Strachan um, mm-hmm. or Strawn. I don't believe he's related to Michael Strawn from Charleston University that uh, you mm-hmm. spoke to last draft process. But he is a six foot four, two hundred twenty five, two hundred twenty five pound linebacker transfer from Georgia State. Um, so he led the nation in sacks for D two last year in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. And he is capable of uh, playing some coverage. He's obviously a, a, a skilled uh, pass rusher, versatile player. And he's stepping into South Carolina as a first-year player, but he is draft eligible after this year. So I'm curious to watch him as the year progresses because that type of size and skill set could lead to a meteoric rise up the draft boards um, as a, just a one-year D1 player, essentially. Mm-hmm. So somebody that I'll be watching in that game. 
Yeah, and then of course the quarterback eleven. It'll be fun to mm-hmm. kind of keep an eye on too. West Virginia at Oklahoma is seven thirty. It's the ABC it? okay. uh, game of the week. Uh, but yeah, that last three thirty game I have is Texas A and M at Arkansas in Jerry World. Um, there are just a slew of names. Arkansas, uh, Traylon Burks, the wide receiver, getting a lot of AJ Brown comps for his being a six three two twenty slot, a guy who's pretty powerful off the line of scrimmage. Uh, Jalen Catalan, their safety, uh, massive injury history for the for a redshirt sophomore, but he's a thumper there in the secondary for Arkansas. Arkansas is off to a really hot start at three and zero. But then you look at Texas A and M, Isaiah Spiller, the running back second or third round pick uh Aeneas Smith he's sort of a joker player for Texas A&M um you know he's a guy who returns kicks and punts he plays slot receiver and he plays running back so he's sort of an Isaiah he's the Isaiah McKenzie of uh the Texas A&M team so at 5'9 you know 185 190 pounds he's a guy to keep an eye on uh Jalen uh Windermere uh Windermeyer uh the tight end Six foot five, two fifty. He's a really vicious inline blocker, but also can get out there and catch passes and and, and play in the spread. He, he's really rising up as one of my favorite players. I'm gonna keep a high. I'm gonna keep an eye on 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 Windermere this year. Uh, Windermeyer this year. His statistics aren't popping off the page. I mean, he had a pretty good year last year. His statistics haven't really jumped that much this year. But there's a new quarterback. Kellen Mond is gone. Their new quarterback looks like hot garbage. Uh, so that might take a little bit of a while for that Texas A&M offense to really get going. And then obviously Kenyon Green, the interior offensive lineman for uh, Texas A&M, but he is playing right tackle. He's expected, projected to kick in to interior offensive line um, when he gets to the NFL. So just a slew of names on that Texas A&M offense to keep an eye on. Uh, and Jimbo Fisher's obviously got the pedigree. He's pumped out some NFLers in his career. 330 CBS Jerry World Game of the Week uh, for a reason. Uh, but yeah, and then... West Virginia, Oklahoma. It is 7:30 ABC. Neil Brown is one of my favorite coaches in college football. I love Neil Brown. Uh, <laughs> I, I just what a, what a great story he is moving up in the ranks, and it just got such a positive mindset. I'm, I've I've been a huge Neil Brown fan for a while. Uh, it's always fun to watch and assess uh, Spencer Rattler. I like to root against him personally because he just rubs me in the wrong way. I don't know why. He just, I just I, he he looks like Jackson Mahomes. Maybe that might be it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is about him. I watch um, QB1 under the lights, and, you know, Spencer Rattler and Tate Martell are two guys that just, Tate like, like one one episode in, and you just want to, like, punch them both in the face. Like, repeatedly. They're the fo- obnoxious. The They're obnoxious. Gods, the football gods have literally uh, sent Tate Martell to UNLV, where he's now the backup quarterback, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, he's he's definitely gotten his his come up as get, far as being oh, humble. Oh, time out! Coming did out. You, did you see the end of that Fresno State UCLA game? No, on Saturday night, Jake Hayner, make that man your lifetime third string quarterback. What a fucking baller, dude! It's like <laughs> he's like six, he's like six two, one ninety five. Um, Fresno State quarterback. He was a Washington transfer. This dude clearly was playing through a stinger like he got hit in the hip and it was it, he looked like he was done came in there and with like a minute 10 on the clock didn't even use the fucking timeout led them down to victory like just an absolute baller of a game he it was byron leftwich-esque when byron leftwich was getting carried by his teammates from play to play what jake hayner did to ucla to upset chip kelly there uh in in um in the coliseum was absolutely fucking amazing uh, Jake Hayner has a fan for life in me. That was just so much fun to watch. I'll be rooting for that kid. I don't even know if he's going to be playing this week, but they're playing UNLV. That's the only reason why they're going to shit kick <laughs> them. They're going to shit kick them uh, Friday night. Uh, it's the late night game Friday. But uh, anyway, last game I have on my list, 
is Colorado at ASU, 10.30 ESPNU. For me, ASU, Chase Lucas is always a fun guy to watch. I'm not as high on Chase Lucas as a, a corner. Obviously, he's been coached by Herm Edwards for a couple of years. I think he's a dime defender in the National Football League. I don't think he'll ever rise above being like the fourth corner, but he does have kick, punt, return flex. So, uh, and he does have pretty decent size. So, Chase Lucas is a guy in the middle rounds. Uh, a team like the Buffalo Bills could consider, and he's, he's a versatile player. Jack Jones had just a freaking amazing interception last week. Uh, like completely hauled out and stretched his entire body. One-handed pick uh, was a really phenomenal interception. But at five foot nine, like 175 pounds, he's undersized. He's gonna have to transition to the slot in the NFL. But again two years of coaching, three years of coaching under Herm Edwards. Um, that's nothing to joke about. I mean, this guy coached defense, in the national football league, him and Antonio Pierce run a, uh, run a pro style defense there at Arizona state Merlin Robertson. I think he's more of a three, four player, uh, but they've also got uh, Donovan West, uh, the tackle guard and Jermaine uh, Lowell, the defensive tackle. So there are some guys on the ASU team, but they are massively underperforming right now. Um, I mean, they had like 19 penalties in that game. It was ugly. That loss to BYU. Uh, Allegretti, the running back for BYU, is a fucking monster, by the way. I think he's going to be zipping up some draft boards. But I don't know how old he is. He's probably like 26 because he went to BYU. But, uh, yeah, he, he was he was really good and fun to watch. But, man, this ASU team is really underperforming. And we talked about how overrated I think Jalen uh, Daniels was last week. But, I mean, that's uh, that's 1030. Nothing else on. I got Colorado, the Oregon. Colorado game. gave uh, Texas A&M a run for their money. Or, uh, yeah, Texas A&M a run for their money last week. Who's Oregon playing this week? Arizona. Oh, I mean, they're going to shit stomp them. But <laughs> yeah, but it'll be. I mean, Devon, I'm, I'm basically be back. Uh, I'm watching. I'm watching the Oregon secondary. You know, mm-hmm. just gonna just gonna watch them fly around and make plays and fantasize about what one of them could uh, could be in Buffalo. You know. see Mikael Wright can have himself a uh, uh, redeem himself after uh, Chris Olave. Uh, sent him through the uh, the meat grinder last week or yeah last week yeah it was uh, yeah but i still don't think that's a bad performance you know given mm-hmm. the circumstances and everything so yeah all right well th- unless there's any games or anything else you want to get off your chest before we go that should just about do it for uh this week on the bf war room i think we are well on our way uh to having a great draft season uh, a lot of good prospects to keep an eye on sauce gardener for life <laughs> yeah yeah that uh It'll, it'll, you know, it'll be a heartbreaker again this year watching, watching a guy like that go to a different yeah. team. But Sauce and Jordan Davis are the the early front runners for my draft darling this year. Maybe yeah, Jordan, I mean Jordan Davis at three hundred forty pounds. I mean, I, I again, I haven't watched this game too closely this year. He's known as a run stuffer, but if he shows any pass rush pop this year, which I think you mentioned, he had some decent pass rush pop in the South Carolina game any pass rush pop whatsoever is going to get him pushed into the first round. I mean, yeah, your only hope is that if teams are like, don't like his pass rush upside, if teams don't like his pass rush upside, he'll slip. Um, but you know who he kind of reminds me of a guy who I think was drafted in exactly the right spot a couple of years ago. And it's probably the only thing David Gettleman has done right in his time in New York. He reminds me of Dexter Lawrence, just like he's not going to be maybe. He's, yeah. He's not going to be like the sexiest defensive tackle. Like he's not going to be Aaron Donald. But he's just going to be a guy who just goes in there and does his fucking job. He stuffs the run. He gives you a decent pass rush pop. He sets up the guy next to him and Ed Oliver. Like, he just he does what he's supposed to do. Um, so I, I I think a guy like uh, like Dexter Lawrence could be a good comp for, for Jordan. You know, at worst, I feel like he is kind of in a DJ Reader mold. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll take that in a heartbeat too. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. and that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm like, where's like the the floor for a guy like that if he shows, mm. you know, any sort of pass rush ability whatsoever? But the floor for a guy like Jordan Davis, I keep coming back to DJ Reader, and I'm like, mm. it, you know, it took him a year or two to kind of develop and get there, but once he did, bam, now you've got a real player. Um, so mm. yeah, he's uh, he'll just be one that I'll I'll continue to tune in and watch every week. All right, Randy. It was a pleasure as always. I will see you again uh, next week as we preview week five of college football season. It's I'll tell you what. I just wish football season would last forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I already feel like, I mean, the NFL, we're only in week three, but college football, we're already in week five. Uh, I guess college football is different because it's already like the freaking season's already over for literally like half the teams in college football. But uh, uh, yeah, it should be. It should be interesting. There were so many big games early on. That yeah. it already makes you so in, in college football, you're so used to like having to wait for those big games that it feels like college football doesn't build up until right around this time, like three, four, or five weeks in. But I mean, you brought the bat, you had some big games, which just sort of I think that sort of put me into this mindset where I'm like, man, college football season's already almost over when really it's not. I mean, there's still uh, a solid three months left of it, but uh, man, it is uh, it's moving along. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Until next time, Randy, go Bills. Go Bills.